In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM has a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. Friday, January 26th here on the Just Baseball Show. Guys, it's the first off-season mailbag, so we have to harmonize. Three, two, one. Mailbag. As Aram takes a sip of his water. Wow. Like, dude. I brought my SpongeBob mug for this, and Aram's like, (laughs) oh, no, I'm too cool to harmonize on the mailbag, whatever. And before we get to the mailbag, asked on our Instagram and our Twitter at Just Baseball Show on Instagram at Just BB underscore Media on Twitter, we got to talk about the Hall of Fame inductees 2024. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, first ballot. Todd Helton gets in on his sixth year on the ballot. And Jack wants to talk about Jim Leland and deservedly so. But first, it is all brought to you by. Bet MGM, the king of sports books. Ladies and gentlemen, the offer is still available. $5. You put down $5 at Bet MGM, use code just baseball, and they will give you $158 in bonus bets. We talked about it in the last episode. We've been talking about it since the offer went live. It's an absolute no brainer to get your free money. Remember to bet responsibly, 21 or older. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We have 10 questions, and I'm very excited. A lot of good ones. We got north of 80 questions, and we had to 
yeah, we had to, I went through all of them. There's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of kind of uh, fun baseball questions, right? We're not going to, there was a lot of, are the Mets going to make a move this off season? Probably. <laughs> Probably. But I think it's more fun to go through the weeds on some others. Gentlemen, how are we? Let's talk Hall of Fame. Good. I feel a little bit more like the UC system now than I did coming into this episode, like the University of California system. Did you see how many applicants UCLA and UC Davis and Irvine got this year? UCLA got like 120,000 applicants, which is Arm. insane. Arm, that's what he wants to start the episode with. Yes. College admissions. <laughs> College Let's admissions. dial in, baby. That's what crazy. else do you want? What else do you guys want to talk about? Anything fun? Uh, I mean, Jim, Jim Leland. Had, yeah. That, that's the guy you wanted to start with. No, no, I. Yeah, uh, just obviously, me. Hall of Fame. Well, first of all, we got our guy, Kevin Henry, out there. Uh, one, one of our newest additions to the to the editorial staff. Really excited about what he brings to the table. And uh perfect example is that guy's freezing his butt off in, in Cooperstown right now um, covering that for us. So so keep an eye out on JustBaseball.com and, and on our socials. Uh, I think he's going to be able to uh, get get some time with, with Todd Helton and do some cool things there. So look out for that. Really excited for the coverage there. And uh, I'll just start off with, with Helton because I, I'm, I'm really pumped about it. Like I knew that Beltre was going to be, we all knew Beltre was going to be a first battle hall, but you look at the numbers, you cannot poke a hole in that guy's, you know, career. And then on top of that, he, he overcame so much adversity in the early stages of his career. Uh, I think he had like, I don't want to know what the exact number is. We'll Google it in a moment about how much of his intestines was taken out like early in his career. And he overcame that and was phenomenal. But starting with, with Helton, like I was getting a little bit nervous. Like I I didn't know if Helton was going to stall out. And uh, you know, if, if he may not end up getting in because of the conversations that we've had so much through the years, which is uh, how much do you dock a guy for cores? Uh, you know, are, are people going to change their mind on that? And it's just one of those things that, I again, I just didn't really know what was going to change and if people were going to be able to overlook that. And and I'm glad that they have been able to, because at the end of the day, I don't care where you're playing. If you hit 372 one season, if you hit 316 for your career, and by the way, he also hit bombs too. And I understand that it's easier to hit bombs there, but like, it's not easy to hit 49 bombs there. He did that uh, 370 home or 369 home runs for his career. But I, I, like, if you hit 316 for the duration of your career, you're a Hall of Famer. I don't care if you did it, of course. So I'm glad that he got in and, uh, you know, by all accounts, he's a phenomenal dude as well. So always good to add more good people into the Hall. Yeah, we are. We also have a stat that quantifies hitting in different ballparks, right? OPS plus. He put up a 133 OPS plus for his career. So you can factor Coors into that, but all of the ballparks are factored into that as well because it's park adjusted. And 133 OPS plus is nothing to sniff at. That is, you know, upwards of what a Hall of Famer should be. And then when you put in the war and then you factor in a 300, 400, 500 slash line for his career. And there were years where, you know, Hall of Fame voters didn't like him when he was in Coors in the Hall of Fame ballot and they didn't like him in the MVP race. There were plenty of years where he was an MVP caliber player, but then got docked down the ballot. That's why it's hard to go off these awards. And when we look at the career of Todd Helton, maybe not a first ballot, but if you think Joey Votto is an easy first ballot Hall of Famer, Joey Votto will get in, then you probably think Todd Helton is because they have very similar numbers. And and also, like, it's probably not the same as Coors, but you know, playing your whole career in Great American Small Park, like that that helps too. So number two, you know, again, at Savant. It's number yeah, two ballpark on Savant, two Coors it, Field. 
it's it's that's the thing. So it, I think it's a great point there. Like, yeah, I, I don't think Vado's numbers look the, the way that they do if uh, if he doesn't play his games in Cincinnati. And again, that's not to take away from Vado, but I just want to make sure that we're you know either not applying it continuously or applying it continuously. The last thing I'll say before I kick it to Jack is on Peter's point. How do you hit three? And remember, I was talking about how one of my favorite things to do, like, is just to pass time, is look at like the the MVPs that you know, or the MVP candidates who did not win in like the early two thousands or late nineties. Todd Helton slashed three seventy two, four sixty three, six ninety eight. So he led the league in batting average, OBP, and slugging. He led the league in hits. He led the league in runs driven in, and he hit forty two home runs that year. And he came he came in fifth. In MVP voting. You know who won the MVP that year? Name the probably You'll never guess. What who? year again? So this would have been, sorry, this was in 2000. Wasn't Barry Bonds? It wasn't Bonds because Bonds was, he was the runner in 2004. Up. He was yeah. the runner up. Who was it? The funniest part is the guy who won was Bonds' teammate. Oh man, Jeff Kent. Oh, Kent. Kent had what forty-five homers that year as a second baseman. No, no. How many homers? That's the that's the fucking problem. Three thirty-four, four twenty-four, five ninety-six. Slash on phenomenal year. Thirty-three homers. Uh, Todd Helton had him beaten every every single statistic, every single one except for stolen bases. Jeff Kent had twelve. Todd Helton had five. Well, that that's the difference right there. Yeah, I think that's what voters were, were, were looking at. And yeah. the war, eight, nine for Helton, seven, two for Kent. So <laughs> again, it's a fun rabbit hole if you're ever really bored. Uh, but also to Peter's point, if we're going to like, you know, use accolades to say like, okay, yeah, well, this guy didn't win an MVP. Like, is he in? He should have. So let's not make the same mistake twice, right? Like, let's not validate a mistake with another mistake. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad he's in. A um, couple of former quarterbacks, too. Todd Helton started at quarterback over Peyton Manning at the University of Tennessee. People forget. Yep. Um, we weren't alive for it, but I, I've always kind of thought that was a weird quirk. And then Joe Maurer was committed to play quarterback for Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Five-star. Five-star. Like, Joe Maurer was one player one in the, the country. Best, he was one of the best high school athletes ever. So I saw a video resurface a couple days ago. It was a couple days before the Hall of Fame announcement, and it was Maurer's um, twins jersey retirement. And they invited the one guy that struck him out in high school out to throw a first pitch to Joe Maurer. Like, so, the, yeah, he struck I, out once. I, I sent that clip in, um, or that clip was sent in a group chat with a few of my high school baseball teammates because, oh, one of the players on our team that no one would have suspected to get a hit, like hit a double uh, the other way off of Tuki Toussaint and bounced oh. him from the game. And that's why I, so I was like, replied to that. I was like, oh, Tuki Toussaint's retirement jersey, like retirement ceremony here. But like, it's with the funny, White Sox. Like, yeah. yeah, with the White Sox after he has 10 straight 2.2 ERA seasons. But no, that, 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 when you can isolate one person and be like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that struck him out. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's pretty fucking crazy. Insane. Did you guys see that story that Tom Verducci was talking about on MLB Network? Oh, with about, Scherzer adding the cutter just to get just to get Maurer. That story I thought was so cool. So, you know, go check that out. We've reposted it on our TikTok, so you can go see through our repost to see the full story. But basically, Max Scherzer was consistently trying to pitch Joe Maurer in. 
but Joe Maurer was so stubborn and he would still hit these liners the other way for base hits. Joe Maurer absolutely owned Max Scherzer. And then what Max Scherzer had to do was he had to develop a new pitch to get out Joe Maurer. And a couple of years later, he finally strikes out Joe Maurer for the first time in his career on a, a cutter inside in on his hands. And then Verducci said that 10 years later, Scherzer is still throwing that pitch. So he had to make up some sort of pitch in order to get out Joe Maurer. And Joe Maurer, I really want to talk about it too, because amazing career, no doubt Hall of Famer. I was surprised that he got in easily, right? First ballot, got most of the vote, right? When we're looking at uh, the total vote tally, he got 76.1%. You need 75% to get into the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about Billy Wagner in a second. Snubbed again down 1.2%, but this is about Joe Maurer. Tons of batting titles we know. 10-year peak, incredible. If you look at Jaws on Baseball Reference, which grades your peak years in terms of your war more aggressively, and that's what a lot of Hall of Fame voters, like he is definitely a Hall of Famer. Were you guys surprised, Jack, we'll start with you, that he was first ballot, or do you think he just deserved first ballot? No, he deserved first ballot. I I thought like it made a ton of sense. I think both those guys, Helton and Maurer, we haven't even talked about Beltre yet. It was the highest vote getter, but we uh, yeah, I'm sure we will. But um, also remember when, uh, Arm, I'm blanking on his name. You would know. Remember when that guy just randomly tweeted like middle of the night, went on this crazy spree and he said, Beltre had a guy in center field in Arlington <laughs> waving a white towel when a breaking ball yes. was coming. What's his name? Yes. What's that guy's name? Oh, God. I actually um, forgot who that is, but that yeah, was brutal. It brutal Twitter fingers, and he went on oh, this rant. Oh, I, I, yeah, I've had a funny exchange with that guy. It's, it's, What's his name? I forgot. Don't need to validate him, though. <laughs> Insane, but we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I, I do think it really helps that Helton and Maurer both played with the same team their entire career, and I think that this was probably a Votto bump, too, and a Yadier Molina bump. When those guys do end up on the ballot, they're going to be helped immensely by playing their entire career with one team. Cause guess what? The old, the old people voters, they love that shit. And like I do too, frankly, he is the identity of the Minnesota twins. When you close your eyes and think who is a Minnesota twin for me, it's Maurer. Like yeah. I, I think Johan Santana is there too. Kirby Puckett, Paul Molitor. If you want to do that, go ahead. But like Max Kepler. Sure. Kepler, yeah. Nick Gordon, um, Walner. It's Maurer. Like, I just think it's Joe Maurer and and being the identity of one franchise is enough for me to vote you in on the first ballot. Yeah. Arm. I, I, so I'll, I'll be like a middle ground of that question, because for me, it was like I would have voted for him first ballot because, I, you know, I've actually talked about this a lot in the past, and especially when you retired. I just, you know, people are like, oh, he didn't catch as much down the stretch, blah, 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 like. I don't, I don't really care. Like, you know, Buster Posey, and I know he's an even more extreme example because of, because of the world series titles and everything, but you know, Posey had a shorter shelf life as well. A lot of catchers have shorter shelf lives. Like for me, if you have 10 years of dominance and 10 years where, where you are like, you know, the best at your position and at the end of the, you know, at the end of your career, you still hit a lot of these important thresholds. You know, I'm going to have a little bit of a different approach to the longevity aspect with catchers. And and I look at Maurer, you know, in terms of of his like five to, to seven year stretch of his peak, it's hard to argue that there was any catcher really more more dominant than him. And it kind of spilled over into years where offense really started to to tick downwards across the league. And, you know, he still was incredibly, you know, productive and solid. So, uh, you know, another guy, too, where you just look at what he did in 09 specifically, and it's just to to lead the league in, in batting average OBP and slugging 
uh, and 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 win that MVP. He's won gold gloves behind the dish. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame guy too, and I, that's always going to end up pushing guys over the edge. I, I'd imagine if Joe Maurer was an asshole, he probably comes up just short right. this time around. Be, you know, considering how he just edged it out. So you know, I, I think that's part of it too. And and being just from the area, being there, you know, I, I think on top of just playing for the same team, like the guys from. Minnesota as well. He's from St. Paul. So it's just pretty cool. That whole story, I think just kind of adds to it and, and accentuates it. By the way, Jack, it was Ryan Spader. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned somebody, I say, go follow him. Don't. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Joe Maurer, phenomenal career. Yeah. I guess the only reason I was a little bit surprised was a 124 OPS plus for his career combined with 55 war. That doesn't scream first ballot mm -hmm. to me. But at the same time, I would have voted for him. But I'm a proponent more of a bigger haul. So I see the argument for a lot of these guys. And again, I would have voted for Joe Maurer. The fact that he is arguably one of the greatest offensive catchers maybe of all time. There was an interesting debate on foul territory, our friends over there, uh, between A.J. Brzezinski, Tim Kirkchen, and Ken Rosenthal about Jorge Posada. How he had a 121 OPS plus for his career, played more games at catcher, actually had a similar on-base, higher slugging than Joe Maurer, and was barely on the ballot, right? I think got 4 or 5%, while Joe Maurer was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think that more relates to the story, was Joe Maurer worth it to be a first ballot or not, when maybe other catchers didn't get the love and support? But then you talk about the fact that he spent 15 years in Minnesota, the fact that you know, ever since high school, this guy has been an all-world athlete that at his peak, he was a much better player than Posada. Posada had an incredible career, and if Maurer was on the Yankees, imagine how many titles the Yankees would have won. So there's context there, but to put a bow on it, Jack, I know you're smiling. I would have voted Joe Maurer first ballot anyway. I guess looking at his numbers, 143 career home runs, I was a little bit surprised. I just love that the Hall of Fame conversation always somehow circles back to the Yankees. And I'm not talking you specifically. I'm talking like every old voter, too. It's like, hey, what would this guy have done if he was a New York Yankee? Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like, let's just but shut up for it. a minute. There are think 29 other teams. But think about it. Joe Bauer on the Yankees, though. Just think. Oh, about my. It, it would have been so <laughs> sick, dude. You're so right. So right. <laughs> just think about it. And then think about Adrian Beltre on the Yankees. Dude, no, let's uh, talk about Adrian Beltre. 95% of the vote. I don't know who the 5% of the voters who aren't voting for Adrian Beltre. It's just one of those classic things, right? Like, like Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous. There have been plenty of unanimous Hall of Famers. And I don't know what else Adrian Beltre could have done to get your vote. I guess they could have said, hey, Army didn't hit 500 home runs, only 477. <laughs> This yeah. guy is one of the greatest third basemen of all time. He is third in war at the position behind guys like Mike Schmidt and Eddie Matthews. Absolute no-brainer when you just look at the stats. And then you factor in one of the most incredible personalities that we have had on the field. You hear former players talk about this guy, the way he commands a locker room, and then even fans can see it on TV. The fact that he's throwing balls at the third base coach as a joke. He seems to have a great relationship with every single player that would end up on third base. He'd be messing with all of them. One of the true joys of baseball. One of my favorite players growing up. Adrian Beltre, no-brainer, so happy to see him get in. And the only reason I'm upset, didn't get 100% of the vote. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I, I that's got to be a, a, a surefire first ballot guy, right? Like 84 career F war. Uh, Unbelievable. Like, what else do you need? I, I, I don't, I don't know what, where he came up short. Because you know, also on top of that is like he was a really solid defender for for plenty of stretches and. Um, yeah, I, again, it's just really hard to poke a, a hole in his game. I mean, he was one of the best defenders in the sport, uh, you know, especially at his position for stretches of years as well. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how you don't vote for him. But focusing on the positives, I mean, uh, you 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 kind of hit on the head, like in terms of just being a fun player as well, like all those compilations of him and Elvis Andrews were always great. But um, yeah, just being as, as consistent as he was, right? not a guy that had as you know, some as many of like the, the big like pop seasons as some of the other guys that we talked about like 2004 specifically though was was an insane year for him but it was even when in the years where the offense wasn't totally totally there for him uh you know just able to provide so much value defensively and still give you a three four win season then when you do that for for 20 years uh you're gonna have a really nice career but uh you know i think beltre was was a surefire first ballot guy would have liked to see him be unanimous but i can understand that um i guess you know some people want to reserve that right to the, the best at their position, like of all time, like a Mariano. Uh, but I mean, Beltre's Beltre's on Mount Rushmore. I was very close. hundred uh, percent. 9.6 war season in 2004. Like you mentioned, um, I did also mention this to our uh, director of partnerships, Colby Olson, second best war season of his career came with the Boston Red Sox. Um, he, he posed the question, which hat does he wear going into the hall? It's gotta or be the Red, Red Sox. Sox for that one year. Has to Listen, be. He's going in with a Rangers hat. He has to. I know that he spent what the first seven years of his career in LA. He had 23 war in LA in seven years. He had 41 war in eight years in Texas. The best years of his life came in Texas. He's going to wear a Rangers hat. Has to. I think he'd probably wear his Rangers hat. I just thought it was a discussion because his best year was in Los Angeles. He did start his career there. And it's not like he started his career and only was three or four seasons. He did spend seven years there, but I agree with you. After looking deeper into it, it should be a Rangers hat, but maybe he goes in with the Dodgers because of Otani Yamamoto. Maybe they give him a billion Probably. and defer it. Yeah. Yeah. No, a, de- a yeah. deferred cap. So he's got to wear cap. He's got to wear the Rangers for the first 10 years, but then the next 60 years, the bust yes. is going to be changed to a Dodger hat. Got it. Wouldn't that be poetic? Surely. Arm, anything else on Beltre? Um, no, that that's all I got. One of my favorite, any third baseman, I'm going to have third baseman bias. So, um, I'm, I'm always pumped for him. I got a bunch of his cards. So, uh, not selling them though. I mean, holding on to those for a long time. Shout out Jimmy Leland before we move on to the mailbag. Oh, One yeah. world series came with your Miami Marlins arm mm-hmm. laden, three pennants, mm-hmm. three time manager of the year, now a hall of famer. And, uh, the founder of SIGs inside pretty much this guy was doing SIGs in the dugout. Uh, when he was managing the Detroit Tigers, which clearly is awesome. People people love to uh, credit baseball managers for inventing things that I just feel like can't even be invented, right? Dusty like, Baker, uh, high five. Dusty Baker invents the high five. Bobby Valentine invents the rap. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, who's the next old head manager that's like, – they're going to say he invented oxygen. It's kind of like, like every right. fr- It's kind of like every fraternity claiming that they've invented beer pong. Yes, correct. Like it's just they're the or it's the origin for them. But yeah, I mean, look, I I, I love Leland. Apparently, he's had some quotes about getting the best out of players that makes me realize, okay, that's how that guy was such a successful manager for such a long time. Um, and and I know I've been able to talk to to Jeff Conine a little bit about Leland. I know he absolutely loved him, and um, you know, 
it's not not surprising to him that that he's a Hall of Famer. But Leland, uh, some really funny sound bites from that guy too. If you ever catch him on an interview, no. When I uh, I slightly disrespected Jim Leland in the intro when I said Jack really wants to talk about him. The only reason I said that was before we press the record button. I said we got to talk about the Hall of Fame, and Jack's first words out of his mouth are Jim Leland, and I just thought it was funny yeah, because right. we have Adrian Beltre, Joe Bauer, and Todd Helton. But yeah, Jim Leland had a phenomenal career. He's been kind of the staple in the dugout, seems like my entire life watching baseball, that he was on at least one duckout. Uh, 506 winning percentage check. Yeah. That's my question. And That's my question. I, I didn't hear a question mark there. I, I heard 506 winning percentage check, period. I think he, I think he overlooked right. the winning percentage in turn. In four sigs inside. Yeah. So here's the thing about baseball. Uh, those winning percentages are going to be much lower than other sports. So like when you look at a football coach and when they retire, Nick Saban has a winning percentage near 750 or 800. You can't expect that from the best managers in baseball. Also, also, you you, you have to factor in that he managed the 98 Marlins. And, yeah. And the 98 Marlins will, will tank anybody's career winning percent i don't care how long you manage the 98 marlins are taking anybody's winning percentage 54 and 108 that, year. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't jim leland's fault that was on the wayne heels Izinga's of a world fault. series yeah wayne Izinga, rest in peace a huge fixture in, in south florida sports you know got brought basically every single team here uh but he burned it down in 98 and uh right after the world series and that team was ass uh so that kind of cooked Jim Leland a little bit. So before we move on to the mailbag, I do want to just touch on Billy Wagner. I'm just so tired of yelling into this mic year after year. Every single time we do the podcast, every single time we go over the Hall of Fame voting, he missed again. I've already done two rants. I don't want to do it again. But at the end of the day, is the second lowest ERA in Major League Baseball to Mariano Rivera. The greatest left-handed reliever of all time. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame post-dead ball era. Not if well, we're including Tim Keefe and those guys. Yeah. Post-dead ball era, 2-3-1 ERA to Mariano at 2-2-1. He should be in the so, Hall of Fame. I think he should make a comeback, bolster his resume a little bit more, and yeah. then and then see if he can get in. I watched, uh, I watched a really solid NBC News feature on Billy Wagner yesterday. He was like kind of a capper at the end of, of the show with Lester Holt. And it, he's coaching high school in Charlottesville, Virginia. He was just coaching high school baseball on induction day. And he was just kind of standing in the cage like, I'm waiting for the call. I didn't get the call. I hope I get it soon. Like, I felt so bad for him, oh. but he, he deserves it, man. He'll get I it. He's going to get in. He's going to get I, it next year. He has he's gonna to get it next year. By I, the way, notable guys on the first ballot next year. I, I don't know if there's much traffic in front of him. Each hero should be unanimous. He unanimous. absolutely he should. He won't, though. He won't, though, but he should no. be. Some asshole. Yeah. 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 Is it? Yeah, he didn't hit enough Ride home Ficklestide. runs. Ride Ficklestide wouldn't vote for him. <laughs> Yeah, our managing editor would probably not vote for each year. What was like last year? Dan Shaughnessy voted for for just Jeff Kent and nobody else. Like (laughs) he's probably going to do some shit like that again. Um, But each hero should get in unanimously. CC Sabathia and Felix Hernandez are the other two that are borderline first ballot. I think CC is closer to the first ballot than Felix Hernandez is. Um, But if I were to guess right now the Hall of Fame class next year would probably be Ichiro, Billy Wagner, Sabathia. That's exactly how I would have put it. Do you think Felix sneaks in arm on the first ballot? 
I think Felix might have an uphill battle to get in, period. I agree. Um, I, it's a short, short shelf life for him. Um, it's I also don't know. I also don't know if CC is going to be first ballot. I don't think CC will be first ballot either. I, I think he'll have a ERA. I, I think it'll yeah. be second year. I, I, I'm really interested to see how voters look at, at at Felix. I mean, this guy, you know, after at 33 years old, you know, just completely fell off. But God, and and you know, I mean, that's a really short career. But at the end of the day, he came up so early and threw so many innings that. He, he still did compile some really good numbers. So I, I'm interested to see how, how they go about it with, with Felix. I, I think he was up there with anybody. You look at his stretch of, of six, seven years where he's pretty much top five in Cy Young finishing every single season. Uh, but I, I think there's a legitimate chance. It's just Billy and Ichiro. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be my prediction as of now. I hope CC gets it on the first ballot, but it's going to be close. It's going to be close. All right. Before we get to the mailbag, a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, the mailbag. I'm very, very excited. Again, thank you for asking all of your questions on Twitter and on our Instagram, Twitter again at justbb underscore media, Instagram at just baseball show. Both will be linked in the episode description. We're going to start doing these more often as the season progresses. We still have our top tens to get to. Those are going to be bangers. We still have win totals. We still have predictions. We have tons of those type of episodes coming. So I didn't really include those. There was a lot of questions in the comment sections about, you know, free agent predictions for this certain team, or what do you think about their rotation or rank these players? We're going to do those. We're going to do that episodes. Yeah. Exactly. So we didn't want to ruin it. Right. You know, standings predictions. We'll do all of that. So let's get straight into the mailbag. All right. This is a good one to start us off. Who are each of your guys this season that you are willing to hang your hat on being big breakouts? That was asked by Sauce Boss zero eight two four on Twitter. I love, the, I, Sauce I love Boss. the usernames. I love the usernames every single time. Who is the guy that you want to hang your hat on this year? Big breakout. It doesn't have to be someone who's done nothing, and now you think he's going to be a Hall of Famer this year, but just a guy. That you're licking your lips about. I know I have my guy. Do you want me to go first, or do you guys want I, to go? I want Jack to pitch me on Casey Mize real quick. Jack, so Casey Mize. he's had a long time to get healthy and rested. <laughs> he's put his feet up. He probably feels as good as he's felt since he was going into his junior year at Auburn. Um, he's got. I. I mean, listen. We talk about it all the time, right? <laughs> you replace a rubber band with a chain link fence when you get mm -hmm. Tommy John. Think about how much better that split's going to be with a chain link fence holding. Oh it yeah, better, man, it's going to be it nasty. That's nasty. all I needed. Okay, <laughs> that's all I needed. Thank you. Uh, I can I can give you mine real quick. I've got a tandem in the National League, and then I've got a pitcher in the American League. Hunter Brown, man, like Brown started so strong, and then he tapered off, and he was prone to the blow up outing. I think this guy, like with Verlander there for the entire year, he's going to go to camp with Justin Verlander for the first yeah. time in his career. And like, they're going to be in the same rotation on opening day and Brown and Verlander, like everybody's heard the cops already. So yeah. I'm, I'm big on a Hunter Brown breakout. And then I think this year is going to be huge for the tandem of Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn in St. Louis. Yeah. I, I think this is a bounce back year for St. Louis and Walker is going to hit 30 homers and Wynn is going to be on sports center top 10 once a week. I love it. Arm, arm. Yeah, I got, I got a few. Um, but I'll start with, uh, 
I'll start with a more low hanging fruit just because I said the same thing last year and then he got hurt. Vinny Pascantino doubling down. Uh, I have no doubts in my mind that as long as he's healthy for the duration of the season, he's going to go absolutely crazy. Um, I, especially now that this team's a little bit more inspired, right? It's a, it's a team that's, you know, again, I don't know. I don't know if, if compete is the word, but, but competitive is the word. And and I think that's going to, you know, bring the best out of a lot of these guys. But I think Vinny, like he, I, I, it, it's the same thing as the Kerry Carpenter thing where I'm just like, I will bet on that bat every single day of the week. But I honestly think Vinny has, you know, even more raw juice in there and, and a better feel to hit. So I, I think he's going to go absolutely crazy. And then Bone Naylor, we really started to see him settle in. You know, the Guardians have their catcher here and he settled in, had a really nice finish to the season. Uh, but I, I think he's going to have this kind of, I don't, I don't want to set him up for failure and I don't think he's going to be that insane but the way William William Contreras arc is it was really fascinating I don't think it's going to be that that insane but I do think it's going to be one of those situations where you you start looking at the numbers after a few months and you're like and this guy's one of the better catchers in the league and uh, with Naylor's athleticism the way that he can swing the bat from the from the left side uh, also extremely patient walks a ton I think he's going to be a guy that ends up putting together a really, really nice full season for the Guardians. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a four or five one player. And then the last one, CJ Abrams. I talked about him a bunch at the end of the season. I love what, you know, the adjustments that he made at the end of the year started tapping to more power, uh, started to really drive the ball in the air more consistently. And, and also the approach just seemed to be a little bit more refined uh, with the defense coming along at short too. Uh, and, and we know that he can be one of the best base dealers in the, in the, in the league. I think CJ Abrams could could have a monster season this coming year for the Nationals. I have two guys. One's a pitcher, one's a hitter, and they're both on the same team. And they're both Detroit Tigers. <laughs> this is this is the this is your Tigers year. And we're gonna be hearing a lot about the Tigers in 24. I really think we are. Um I'm gonna start in center field. I think Riley Green is gonna have a crazy year. You look at a lot of batted ball data. Even got unlucky with a 796 OPS. I think he's got more juice in the tank when it comes to home runs, right? He only hit 11 last year. I think that's going to be closer to the 20 range. And when we're looking at a center fielder with plus speed, he's a good glove out there. He's just a really, really good hitter. And I expect him to drop the K rate a little bit. It's dropped year over year. I think he's kind of the next center fielder that we look at ranking him in the top five when we go to 2024 and remember he's only 23 years old I think this is going to be a great year for Riley Green only issue is he plays in Comerica so the power might be a little bit lower but he's going to hit a lot of home runs away from Comerica Park big fan of Riley Green in 2024 and number two I think this guy's going to win the Cy Young so it's not necessarily a Scooball. breakout per se because he's been good but I think he takes that next level to what I think could be a bona fide ace in this league, Tarek Skubal. He's everything that I love in Cole Reagans, except he's proved it more. And the reason I say that is last season, he was a little bit banged up when we came back, put up a 2.80 ERA and a 2.30 expected. The changeup he's starting to throw because he always had the four seam fastball that's sitting 96 where he was last year, a lefty sitting 96 with ride. Then you give him a changeup so he can go to both sides of the plate because he's already had the great slider and he's got the sinker and he's got a curveball. He has all the makings of a frontline starter. He also got the size of a frontline guy, 6'3, 240 pounds. This guy, I think, when you're looking at pitchers to have that massive breakout to become that Cy Young level candidate, 
Tarek Skubal should be at the top of most people's list. I think as long as he stays healthy, he could become arguably the best left-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball. That's how good I think he can be. I was looking at the way too early bet MGM odds, and it was pretty eye-opening to see how high up Skubal was on there. Um, you know, in, in the American League, I think he was you know top five shortest odds. So wow. uh, clearly, the, the sports books are uh, already protecting themselves that's from the Skubal the breakout a that's little bit. That's the thing, dude. I it's went a, you, to go hammer the Tigers. Can't. The odds I aren't they good. Would be undervalued. The books are ahead of me. Yeah, right? no, like the, the Tigers are ahead of the Guardians. The Tigers are really up there with the Twins in order to win this division. And I'm thinking to myself, everyone's texting me because I've been so lively about the Tigers. Peter, when are we betting on them? I'm saying to myself, the value's not really there, right? Like, that's what we do. We try and find value, and the books are ahead of us on that. BetMGM, smart cookies. All right, next question on the mailbag. What are we looking at here? What is your favorite TikTok you have ever made? Mine has to be Peter (laughs) making the Rockies into World Series champs. Asked from Lil DJ 227 on Twitter. That's when basically I said Cal Quantrill signed with the Rockies. But I wanted to form this question into your favorite piece of content that just baseball has ever made or that you've taken part of. Maybe your favorite interview, um, Aram, you on the call up, Jack, just anything from the Just Baseball show or a video that you've made on YouTube. What has been your favorite piece of content that you've been a part of at Just Baseball? Well, I looked at it from like the the social video perspective like the tiktok lens and uh there was i remember you did like the template create in 162 and O team right that was a huge thing in 2022 2021 2022 so i immediately made a 68 win team i remember in like late spring early summer and it was like kyle gibson was my starting pitcher and adam simber was my reliever and i had a good time doing that so i think that was my favorite one yeah what about maybe your favorite interview that you've had on the just baseball show um you've had so me, many yeah let me think about that arm you okay go. yeah so i'll i'll i'm gonna say there's been a couple just like random episodes that we've done um like the mailbag type episodes that have definitely been like the most fun i've ever had on, on this show but um in terms of like unique content uh I, a little bit of recency bias but like the yamamoto youtube video that uh I, will and i were able to put together like that that was really cool for me because like that was kind of uncharted territory you know i i didn't know how how that was going to go and and if you haven't seen that yet like go check it out on our youtube it's just kind of a whole breakdown of an eight to ten minute video of everything you need to know about yoshinobu yamamoto and you know we've been having conversations all off season about you know how we can scale up the youtube and things like that but i'll be honest when you when you're making that first longer form video it's like it's a little intimidating it's like what if i put all of these hours into this and no one gives a shit and and whatever and then you know working with will and seeing what he whipped up and putting it all together and then you know all of the research kind of turning into a nice cool little story it was super fulfilling. Like it was a really cool feeling when we put it out um, and, and gets me juiced up and amped up about, you know, what we're going to be doing, you know, on the YouTube side moving forward. Uh, but then the other side of it is I think full circle, like Cal Quantrill coming on was, was, was pretty fucking funny. Um, you know, like I got to look a guy in the eyes and be like, I was legitimately praying on your downfall all year. Um, but like, it, it's not personal, bro. Uh, no. And like, he was just such a good sport, but also beyond that, like we had a phenomenal conversation about like it pitch data. And I mean, this is a brilliant guy as well. So like the duality of literally one of the 
funniest like bits that we've had and like just clowning on the show. But then on top of that, like he's teaching us stuff about, you know, the, the, the way that he attacks hitters, despite not being a data darling and, you know, his Stanford education starting to shine through. Like that was a really layered conversation that, I mean, if you told me a few years ago that we we're going to have that and no, no freaking way. Totally agree with you. Cal would probably be at the top of my list. <laughs> a couple other ones that I really enjoyed. Um, I talk about this all the time, but the Joe Posnanski interview was one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. We got to try to get him back on for you, man. I, I, I mean, this, I feel like you got to miss him at this point. Yeah, I you've mentioned it like him. thirty times, which I, I love. I like. We got to get him back for you. Talked about baseball history. We talked about the Negro Leagues. Talking about just dead ball era baseball. He was just an encyclopedia of baseball history. And I got every single one of my questions answered. <laughs> and I have about 50 more. I remember the Google Doc I wrote up in questions. And Arm's like, you know, we don't have him for like three hours, right? <laughs> I think I wrote down 25 to 30 questions that I had. And the 10 or so that I picked out, he answered incredibly. Such a nice guy. Talked to us after. Just Check out Joe Posnanski on Twitter. He's got a great podcast that I love. He's written plenty of books. The Baseball 100 I have. He's a guy that is, again, one of the smartest baseball people I've oh, ever yeah. talked to. A historian. And, and also, the the interview with Nestor was so Oh, fun. yeah, dude. I mean, the I story that he – one of my favorite TikToks, again, relating back to that – was him talking about how he takes the subway mm -hmm. to Yankee Stadium. Just the most down-to-earth guy. Just one of the boys' boys. Like, you never would have known he was Nestor Cortez Jr. And no. that was off the cusp of his real breakout year with the Yankees where the mustache took everybody by storm and he seemed to be the king of New York. And he was, like, hanging out, you know, with one of your boys just watching sports yeah, or something. He was in his so garage, awesome. just just in his garage talking to us, basically. Um, it, it was really cool, you know, and and I, you know, I've talked about it, like my, my uncle coached him, you know, in, in, in Miami. So, you know, my, my uncle was just saying how how he's just, you know, unchanged and and just the same dude that, you know, kind of came from humble beginnings. And and it's always cool when you can talk to somebody and and still see that person that you were hoping to see, you know, that sometimes they say like, don't meet your heroes. I'm not saying Nestor Cortez is our hero, but like it applies to like, you know, someone that you see in the public sphere and then you see them privately. Sometimes it can be disappointing. There's nothing better than when it's validating and it's exactly, you know, it, how you were hoping uh, the interaction would be. And Jack, I'm sure you're going to mention Walker Bueller, of course, like that has changed this show. He has been so awesome to us talking to us after you know, we end the, we end the record and he has just been, he's really developed into our friend. Like I consider yeah. him a friend and he's just been so incredible to the show. So incredible to us. And we really hope that everybody has joined him. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be back for, you know, the rest of the regular season, which is a really cool announcement. And he has just been incredible, but I thought picking him would kind of be unfair. Cause we get to no, talk it's to him hanging so fruit. It's, yeah, it's hanging, hanging fruit. fruit. It's Walker Bueller. I mean, people forget <laughs> how damn good Walker Bueller was. Go check the stats. Dude is a stud. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I've had a great time listening, like listening to the Just Baseball show. You guys, uh, you guys did the Cal interview. I loved that. You guys did Nestor, uh, Pitching Ninja. I loved when you guys did Pitching Ninja. Lazardo was a very fun one too. Tanner Bybee was was great. Um, was great. Justin Steele yeah, was awesome. Yeah, Steele was great. You guys did a great thing with Steele. Um, yeah, I like, I guess for me, 
like maybe the first time Walker came on because you guys knew I was pounding the pavement for him in 21. Like first year oh, of the yeah. show, I was just dedicated to like this motherfucker. Which is yeah, that Young. was the crazy full circle thing too. Because beyond Peter running into him in the All Star game, um, Jack had been like the biggest Walker Bueller fan when we like when we were like project the plate pod, like Pop trying to five, trying to you know, get three. everybody on on yeah. that radar. And then I'd say one more that that is was really awesome to me was uh, Davis Schneider, mm-hmm. um, you know, who actually just. Got a round in with him on Monday uh, at Jeff Conine's uh, charity golf tournament, which, by the way, they raised over half a million dollars for Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, nine 30th annual. So congratulations to Jeff Conine and, and, and Cindy as well. Like they have just done amazing things, um, raising money for for a hospital that helps so many children and their families. But um, Davis, just his story. It, signing for fifty thousand, the, the the adversity he's overcome, and all those things on the call up was was a really, really. I think that was probably the most like emotional conversation I've had on on the call up, and and that was definitely something that was that was really uh, powerful. Uh, that I, I've sent to family members that don't give a shit about baseball that came away like very moved by it. So adding one more to that, I loved your conversation with Michael Stefanik on the call up. Yeah, Stefanik awesome was a great story. conversation. Like I was sending out his highlight tapes to to teams and saying, "Sign me to your complex team, please." And and now he's in the big leagues. Like stuff like that is just that gets me going. Let's move on to the next question. Who are some sneaky good prospects everyone should know about? Asked by Wesley Rackley twelve on Twitter. You guys are the prospect people. I have my Yankee guy. I know my system. Other than that, I rely on you folks. So we'll start with you guys. Aram, who do you like? Ah, uh, okay. I have a few different names. I'll start with I'll start with a with with a Rocky because it's it's always Rocktober. Cole Carrick. So they just drafted him. Jack has had to hear me talk about this guy probably too much already. I'm so pumped on Cole Carrick. So I, I, like you look at the college numbers, San Diego State, not that great. Uh, they're fine, and but a freak athlete, switch hitter, plays a great center field, also plays a good shortstop, and so he makes some swing adjustments. And just watching the first 30, 40 games of professional baseball, I'm like, okay, this looks like a much better operation here. I think Kerrig is going to go absolutely nuts. This coming year, and I think he's a guy that could end up becoming a top 100 prospect. I think the Rockies did a really good job with their last draft class, and and I'm seeing something kind of change a little bit here with the way they're going about their business. So really excited about Carrick with the speed, sneaky pop combination, and 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 the defensive value and, and versatility. Jack, I I, I don't want to steal him from you because I, I are you are you going to mention Lorenzo? No, I'm not. Wow. Okay. Cause I was, I would have bet a lot of money on you mentioning Lorenzo. No, nope. Tyron Lorenzo catcher with the, with the Dodger system. I, not only do another I, one? I think, another yes. one, yes, dude, I think 60 I, of them. I think he leapfrogged Cartaya already uh, for us and crazy power. Uh, I, I, the defense is, is already fine enough. And uh, this is a guy that can really run into baseball. He's had a really nice year last year, really young. Uh, Lorenzo's a guy that I think is Jack. You were talking, we were talking about it when we did the Dodgers top prospect episode. Like this is a switch hitter that at 19 years old 
was demolishing baseball. It was 25 bombs, a 90th percentile exit velocity of 106 miles an hour, which is right. insane. MLB average is like 103.6. And that was as a 19 year old. So he's going to continue to get stronger and, and, and hit more bombs. Switch hitter with that kind of power at the lower levels. He, he's got to, you know, cut the whiff a little bit, but he doesn't chase. So I love that. And then Jairo Iriarte, San Diego mm-hmm. Padres right hander. Not only do I think he is one of the more underrated pitching prospects in baseball, he is a just baseball top 100 prospect, uh, but I, I think he's a guy that could help them as soon as this year. The command is the one thing, you know, that we're kind of waiting to see, like, can like, totally come along, but he was 21 years old last year. He's 6'3", electric righty, average 96 miles an hour with the fastball, has a disgusting slider at like 85, and then he started to throw a changeup in the low 90s that is just that power changeup that gets a ton of ground balls. Uh, it's it's very Marlins pitcher-esque, but I would say with a better fastball. Uh, so I, I think Iriarte could be a problem. And it's no coincidence that he struck out. If you look at his final, holy crap, if you look at his final 12 starts of the season, 40% K rate. Um, look out for Iriarte. Fastball slider combo from hell. I like that you, I like that you mentioned Lorenzo, because offensively, like I'm not, I'm not talking defensive prowess. He's got some defensive questions, right? It's like rushing esque, um, where yeah. he might be at first base, might be at DH, whatever. Offensively, think of him like Cal Raleigh, where he's going to punch yeah. out, but he might hit thirty bombs. And mm-hmm. as a twenty year old this year in high A, he might hit thirty bombs. Yep. That's the kind of guy we're looking and at. Walk. With Tyron Lorenzo and walk. Yeah. Would they take Austin Wells for him? No. They wouldn't. Ah, <laughs> I know, but they <laughs> did take Vivas for Sweeney, which was good. Um, I like Vivas. So I, I kind of went a different route with my two guys. One of them is probably going to be the everyday shortstop for a major league team this year. Daryl Ernias. Like people mm-hmm. should get familiar with that name because if you happen to turn on an Oakland A's game, and I, I don't blame you if you don't, but if you do, chances are you're going to see Daryl Ernias playing shortstop and he's going to play a good shortstop. And he's going to be a better offensive piece than you may expect. Like this is no Kevin Smith. Like this is hitting the elevate button on Kevin Smith, who I know was a dark horse rookie of the year candidate for Peter Apple. I I was like, Hey, it's the year is 2022. Kevin Smith is plus 7,500 to win rookie of the year. And there weren't like a lot of crazy (laughs) front runners. Like, you know, there was of course the good guys, but I was like, he's going to play every day. Yeah. Yeah. Good but he's might play 150 games. He'll probably just get enough to be up there. And he did play a lot and he was horrible. Yeah. He was really <laughs> like, bad. Way worse than I thought he would be, to be yeah. honest. Um, I thought terrible. he'd be all right. I even, I was even, like, like That's make worth the a's. he's got some juice. He didn't even make like the A's roster when they were terrible. Yeah. That was what, a bad pick. That's, but that's, that's what you get sometimes know. 75 to one. Ernais is great though. I, I, I think that's part of the reason I'm not even kidding. I think part of the reason why the Orioles have not made a trade is is because of the Ernias deal. Or right. they they gave up Ernias for Cole Irvin. And and I think there's like this this skittishness now of like, oh my God, we don't want to trade the wrong prospect do that. again. Because yeah. oh, that was a see. horrible trade. Like objectively terrible. Ernias is going to be an everyday middle infielder, I think. And um yeah, I think that's a great dark horse one because again, he's going to play there, there's no reason not to play him. And and the difference here is he can hit, he can run, he can do a little bit of everything. But yeah, uh that was a mistake. And two pitchers, one of them we just talked about on the call up, the Pirates, Junsuk Shim. Is yeah, gonna make I, I his... was I was going to leave that one for you. I was thinking about mentioning him. Alien, I Alien. can't wait. Alien, like 
top at 99 with the heater, the most disgusting slider you've ever seen. He's working on a split, right? What's the word there? Yeah, he's working on a split. And if you want to read more about him, go look at our Pirates top prospect list. I ranked him like sixth, and he's yeah. thrown eight eight innings professionally. Big money um, Korean international disgusting. free agent. Guy. Like it's a 3,000 RPM breaking ball. Fastball is just ride out the app. Like it, it's crazy if he can Stupid. stay healthy. And, and the then, injury was an ankle thing. So like it's all good. And, and another guy who I, I think can become one of maybe the best left-handed pitching prospect in the Dodgers system. And like, we know, Hey, those guys like Ferris. get used sometimes. What? No, not Ferris. I was going to say Robleski, but Ferris will probably pass him now, but Robleski, I think just, can just be a no rocket. Way that all of you guys have Dodgers people. I mean, come on. This They're really good, good, man. Ju- Justin Robleski is an older guy. I kind of view him as this year's iteration of Frasso, Hurt, Sheehan, Nestrini, like that crop. It's going to be Robleski this year where we're looking at him dominate in Tulsa. And it's like, wait, this guy can help the big league club right now. The Dodgers he- signing James Paxton pissed me off. Yeah, that yes, one was like, annoying. I mean, what are we doing? That yeah. was just, uh, we can, why not? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Robleski's dirty, though. I will say, like, average 95 with the fastball. I, I don't think he's going to be stretched out enough to be a consistent starter. So they might just bring him up, have him be a multi inning reliever. Like Kyle just, Hurt. Yep. And just blow fuzz past hitters. Yeah. So again, I'm not the guy to ask this question to, but I will just pitch my guy to Armin Jack. You guys tell me if you know much about him, if you like him. Brandon Maia. Yes. Top international prospect that the Yankees got in 2023. Signed for $4.3 million. I've been watching him hit a lot on these YouTube videos and whatever I can find. He's got a lot of Glaber in him in terms of a hitter. And he's got a 70-run tool, and he's expected to stick in center field. This is a guy that the Yankees went all in on in the international free agent market, and they have been hitting on these guys. 18 years old. The swing looks so much like him. He's got power in that bat. He is really, really exciting. And in my opinion, like I said... Imagine Glaber Torres with a 70 run tool in center field. That's how I'm looking at him. Arm I think, mile, a little bit too high on him. I assume I am. I, I, I think that's the ceiling. Like I do think yeah. that he's that like talented. Um, that's a guy that like, I generally don't subscribe too much to the, to the IFA hype unless I'm able to get, you know, a little bit of video and, and a little bit more info. And like, that's a guy that I was able to, and, and I'm very excited. We're, we're doing the AL East now. And, 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 uh, you know, as we go through the top prospect rankings, we just did the Orioles. Um, and, and Maya is a guy that we'll have up there. You know, I don't like to push those lower level guys up too much. There's usually one guy in a system that I just really like. I like Maya, you know, I, I think more than a lot of people like maybe Arias. Like I, I see people getting really pumped about I Arias. I, I think I think Maya could end up being the, the better player and is a little bit of a safer profile. Um, he's got a little bit more to prove. Arias, you know, now he's done it for a few more games and, you know, he's been around a little bit longer, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if my leapfrogs him, you know, acro- across the industry after, you know, being able to play a little bit more this year. In rookie balls, a teenager, almost a 400 OBP. You saw the power, 27 strikeouts, 22 walks. Yeah. And a bunch of bags. Oh, a play at 17 years old. I'm getting excited. All right. Next one is a good one. Top three broadcast booths in Major League Baseball. This is this is Jack's wheelhouse. It was asked by AJ Laugh Three on Twitter. Jack McMullen, future big league broadcaster. I will slam my hand on the table until that happens. Yes. And it will happen. It's not an if, it's a when. 
your top three right now in Major League Baseball? Uh, Gary, Keith, and Ron are not in it. The Mets TV booth is not in it. And I know that is like a consensus number one for everybody. And I understand like, hey, they're really good. But um, for, for me, I appreciate silence a lot. Like as somebody that does it and as somebody that was like trying really hard to like push my way into games, for like a long time. I envy the comfort level of a lot of these announcers when they can just not talk. And Gary, Keith and Ron, like three man booth, it's really hard to not talk. Hmm. So like there's always a conversation and like it gets a little overstimulating for me because I think baseball is best consumed when you're doing something else and you have it on. And it's like, hey, you know, it's, it's a passive watch versus the Mets. I feel like I'm actively watching. So I love them. They're top five. They're not top three. Um, also Mets radio, Howie Rose, Keith rather awesome. My number one is the giants. It's Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko on TV. And then it's John Miller and Dave Fleming on radio. Like that is amazing. Doesn't get better. my top three as well. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs are number two, Boog Shambi mm-hmm. and Jim Deshays on TV, Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer on the radio. That is amazing. Amazing matchup. And then number three is the Phillies. John Cruck is fucking hilarious. He's awesome. Tom McCarthy gets the best out of him. So it's it's Tom McCarthy and John Cruck on TV. And then Scott Fransky is one of the best radio guys in baseball. So that that is my my top three. I will say the Tigers new tandem of Jason Benetti on TV, Dan Dickerson mm-hmm. on radio is going to be awesome. And then I love Seattle, too, which is Dave Sims, Rick Riz, Aaron oh, Goldsmith. Great. Yeah, they're great. So those those are the ones that like if I have the opportunity to watch those booths, I do that. Arm. I mean, of course, you got to go Joe Davis and Oral. I mm-hmm. mean, that's, that's again, that's kind of an obvious one, though. Um, I would say Hershiser is probably one of the better pitching minds that you're going to get in, in, in a broadcast situation. Then I don't need to pitch anybody on on Joe Davis. I mean. That's that's just about the gold standard. And then again, another obvious one, but you know, just want to make sure that I'm shouting them out. It because anytime I'm watching a Padres game, I'm making sure that I'm on the Padres broadcast. Just it's not even about like, you know, and Jack could probably get into the nuances of, of what makes a broadcaster really good and 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 talking about letting the game breathe is is one aspect of it. But there's something about Don Orsillo's enthusiasm that just makes me more excited to watch the game. And and especially now that the Padres, you know, I know it was it wasn't as as exciting for them last year, but that they're a star-studded fun team and 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 he's, you know, kind of the voice of that. I, I really enjoy that. So uh, I'd say the Padres are up there for me too. And then, you know, I'm, I'm always going to side with Boog, you know, Boog and Benetti, but Boog Shambi is just a great human being and, and, and always a blast to listen to and talk about another guy who just loves, loves being in the booth. Yeah. My top three, you guys all mentioned them. Uh, number one, Gary, Ron and Keith for the Mets. Oh, they're great. Uh, number two, Goldsmith, Riz Sims with the Mariners and number three, Fleming Kuiper with the Giants. The Yankee booth I like, um, but it's got to be Michael Kay and it's got to be David Cohn. And I like Paul O'Neill, but it's like those two I watch every time. The other guys, I like I like Flaherty. I like these guys, but when it's Michael Kay and David Cohn, those are my favorite two guys of the Yankees. But they still don't make my top three. Like the Mariners, that call, um, and it's been shown 100,000 mm-hmm. times, Jack. You know, that base hit to left. The Mariners take the lead. Dave Sims just going crazy. Then he has this level of silence there. 
and you're just hearing the Mariners crowd go ballistic and he goes, Hey now, Hey now that, that is becoming one of my favorite calls of all time. And when it's midnight and I'm in my bed, just watching Mariners games and it's Dave Sims, like that's why I will stay up regardless of the bet. Like I just love hearing them talk about baseball and then their calls. It just feels like every game means more to Dave Sims than maybe any other guy in the booth. I think every pitch, every out means more to Dave Sims than any other broadcaster. Yeah. You, you tow the line of being totally bought in, but also having the audience want to have a beer with you. And and I think that is the best announcer. It's like, okay, you clearly care about the team. I want any fan of the team that I'm calling games for to want to meet me at the local watering hole after the game. And, and, and I, I will say Dave that's Sims John, John Sadak for me. That right? is John like, Sadak. He's damn like, good. He's, and he like legit does meet fans at the local watering yeah, hole, which is that, so cool. I, he's awesome. He, he, that's Cincinnati Reds. Like he's, he, he's super engaged in like the, the social media aspect of it, engaging with fans, promoting, you know, work of, of maybe smaller, you know, outlets that are, that are putting good at work in with the Reds. He's shared even, you know, our Reds top prospect stuff, like just a guy that's always trying to learn more too, like outside of, you know, the, the circle of, of the information that he gets. And uh, that's a cool guy too, that I know Cincinnati loves. Yeah. Next question. Mm-hmm. All right. Predictions for the last four to five big ticket free agents, Jordan Montgomery, Cody Bellinger, Blake Snell, Hector Neris, etc. And then, Follow-up question, will the lateness create a cat-and-mouse game between teams and players? We'll answer the first question first. Like, kind of, in a way. Like, I feel like when you're going down in the February, we're starting to pitchers and catchers report, kind of. But right now, still on January 24th, I don't think so. Like, a lot of these free agents... You know, their deals get extended into, you know, the February time. Boris is historically not given a shit, too. Like, Boris has told guys, hey, we'll start the season, you know, not on a team. Didn't he do it? He did with Grandal, with JD, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, as well. Like, Conforto sat out an entire season. Yeah. If you're going to play chicken with with Boris, like, I'll tell you what, you're probably not going to win that one because he doesn't care. Um, And he somehow convinces his players not to care. I, I think. I think yes and no, but ultimately, I think the aspect that makes it interesting is do teams start to say, okay, we'll just pivot and go go trade for an arm. And, and I think what, what Boris is probably resting on right now is, okay, go get Cease. Go find out what the asking price is. Okay, go get Wazardo. Go find out what the asking price is. Oh, Burns? Yeah, he's not available anymore. The, the Brewers are adding. So, you know, I, I think from that lens, it's kind of – it's swinging back into, into the favor of Boris and – you know, I, I just I don't see too many other other arms. I think that's why the Marlins are so keen on potentially moving an arm, even if it's not Lizardo, because it's like, what else is out there? Teams may actually be very interested in Edward Cabrera in this kind of market. So uh, I think from that lens, it's almost getting to the point where teams can't even afford to, to have that standoff anymore, because I think guys are going to swoop in here and start signing people. So I, I don't think we'll have that that old fashioned standoff the way the way we did in, in some previous years. Jack. I, I think as soon as like players show up to Arizona and Florida, that's probably when the cat and mouse starts, but we're three weeks away from that. And I, I'm not talking pitchers exactly. and catchers. I'm talking like the team. Cause I, it, I was having a good conversation with Taylor Davis about this too. Like 
okay, when do things actually change heading into opening day for a player? When does a pitcher's regimen change? Does it? Like it might not, really. right? So like you Regardless can be if fully on ready. Team or not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've I mean, seen we're that. Watching Bueller right now, like, oh, no matter if you're on a team or not, you're you're still doing your you're doing team. your shit, yeah. And yeah. dude, like, not to, I, I'll bring this guy up, but like, I've seen fucking Bauer tweet that, like, hey, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. That guy hasn't been in a big league clubhouse for two years, three years. So like, this guy, I hope he doesn't get an opportunity in Major League Baseball. But if he were to get one, I think that guy can jump in and and throw as long as he has the signs with his catcher, he's good. So like a Montgomery and a Snell, there's no urgency. For me, like this guy can sign the day before opening day and be ready for opening day. Agreed. Yeah. And I think the agent knows that. I think the teams know that too. And Arm, you're right. I mean, you laid it out. That's why I said kinda. And I really wanted to talk about Boris is going to say, go. Go make a trade. I dare go you. Go make a trade. I dare yeah. you. And then it's going to be like, you call the White Sox. They're like, we want your entire farm system for Dylan Cease. Yes. And it's like, well, shit. You call the Marlins. We want your entire farm system and then two more guys. And we want to be some big league guys too. Yeah, like it's just it's just not going to happen. It, yeah, it's not going to happen. But let's predict these last few guys. We could go more rapid fire because we're going to be yeah. fucking wrong anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, number one, uh, I don't know if this guy's number one. This is how I listed them. I think Matt Chapman goes back to the Blue Jays. They still need a third baseman. I don't think they're just going to go with Kevin Biggio. Makes sense there. The Blue Jays also have barely spent this offseason. So you say, hey, we're bringing back the top third baseman on the free agent market. I know we already had him, but we're bringing him back. I think it'll make Blue Jays fans happy and make their team better. And he's used to that. I don't see any other team really coming out of the woodworks and just giving him the money that he wants. And I think the Blue Jays will rationalize it when they don't get a Blake Snell or they don't get anybody else on the market. And they say, all right, we whiffed on Otani. We've kind of whiffed on everybody. At least give us back, back Matt Chapman. They already did that legitimately with Kevin Kiermeyer. Number two, Jordan Montgomery. I'm going to be boring. I think he goes back to the Texas Rangers. I think the Texas Rangers are one pitcher away from being a prohibitive World Series favorite. And who better than the guy who was the dog for you in the World Series? You know, those talks have opened back up again. I think Jaymont goes back to the Rangers. Um, Blake Snell, he wants $200 million. Who's the one team who would give the guy big money, who we're going to say it doesn't make any sense? The Angels. Like, why are they going for it? The Angels. I think he goes to the Los Angeles Angels. And again, doesn't make much sense, right? What are the Angels even doing? But then they go out and get Robert Stevenson. They go out and get Matt Moore. They're adding. They didn't have to spend Otani money on them. Go get speaking, Blake Snell, I guess. Speaking of returning, by the way, Matt Moore, after that whole situation, yeah. <laughs> does he have Stockholm Syndrome? I think so. Why, why, why would you go back to the Angels? <laughs> he, he like, I, oh, my Money. gosh. After they literally started a domino effect that caused you to have to bounce around the country for a month. And then you're going to go back there. And the, the reason why that domino effect happened was because they wanted to avoid the luxury tax. Uh, like that, that's crazy to me. But anyway, continue. He went back because of money. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah. why he went yeah, back. Yeah, of course. And then number four, Hector Neris. I do think he goes to the Yankees. The Yankees have been, you know, 
at least at the top of the market for him. And at first, I remember I quoted he wanted a three or $50 million deal. That was reported. That has definitely come down. Um, we're looking at probably two years around 17 or 18. We're looking at between eight to nine million per year for Hector Neris over a, a two year contract. I know, Jack, it's the market. What do you want me to say? No, dude, like I'd pay that guy two for 25 if Chapman. No, yeah, that's, that's the new report. And I don't know how much money he's going to get, but it does seem like the Yankees have been the most aggressive in his market. So I'll say he goes to the Yankees. They need a good bridge to uh, get to Clay Holmes because Luizaga has just hurt too much, but he's still nasty. And I think he'd be a good addition, especially if they're losing Wandy Peralta most likely. And uh, that's a big blow to them. So I, I think they get Neris. Hmm. Jack? Um, I'll go rapid fire. Uh, I think Jamon is still a Red Sox um, because of the dermatology. The yeah, dermatology. dermatology. Yeah. yeah, because of the residency thing, like the yeah, weird spin that I created on it. I'm just going to stick to it. And the Red Sox, like they've been in the hunt for everybody and they're clearly like not willing to spend on anybody. So when did they just panic? And it's like, oh, all right, we got to get somebody to no, make Jack, sure I people like show up. I feel like we're doing that again. Like you admitted that the Red Sox are not spending anybody, but you're like, I bet they do here. Why would they? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm just playing the hits, man. Did you see at their fan fest, the president of baseball ops got just booed? Yeah, deafening yeah. boos in that building. Really tough. Good. They deserve to boo him. You're I the mean, Red Sox. The Red Sox just booed their team president. And the White Sox canceled their fan fest. So like, oh, we're in a bad. really bad situation for for both those places. Bad time to be a sock. Bad time to be a sock. Uh, that being said, I think Jay Mott signs a deal with the Red Sox. I, I do like the Snell to the Angels pitch. Um, I wonder if he takes a three-year deal in Seattle because he clearly wants to be in Seattle for some reason. And that would be so far and away the best rotation in baseball. It's not even close. Um, it's just like, is that your prediction? Like, wh what are they doing? Like, they got to add bats. Like, what, are they going to add another pitcher? They added no, Garver. The Mariners. Yeah, no, I know. They added Garver. They need more than that. Sure, but like, hey, what if you run out they also Castillo, gave up Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, Wu, and Snell? That's Don't six need a bat. guys. I mean, you're running a six-guy rotation? They got to trade one of these guys for a bat if they're going to do that. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Bellinger, I think, is a cub. Like, it, we're just... I forgot about Bellinger. Yeah, the, the more the days tick on, the more I'm just like, yeah, this is going to happen again. And I, I think the Cubs also double down and go get Neris. I, I think that it's a it's a hard bridge to Alzali in the back end, and I think that the Cubs could really use Neris. I like that. I forgot about Bellinger. I would going. agree. Toronto. Cubs. Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, so I I think uh, I think Chapman doesn't want to I – don't, I don't think Chapman goes back to Toronto. So I, And that's why I think Chapman ends up – I could, so San Francisco is an interesting situation. You love the Giants. I I just <laughs> I think that they're going to do something. Did you give all your predictions, Jack? Yeah. Okay. So I have I have a, this is kind of I'm just going to be different. Give some a reasonable chaotic prediction because like Peter said, they're all going to be fucking wrong anyways. Yeah. Um. I will start with Bellinger. Los Angeles Angels. Perfect. They want offense. Yes. <laughs> Artie Moreno pr prefers spending on offense. Go get Bellinger. Who's the team that's silly enough to meet the, you know, the, the steep asking price. Bang, them, bang. Um, Love it. Makes sense. 
And, you know, they could use him in center field. Trout, you know, the, again, I've been saying for a while now, please just move him to a corner, DH him some days, preserve him. Uh, I think it makes a ton of sense and it gives them upside. You know, if Bellinger plays out of his mind, then, you know, you've got something fun there and you've got some marketability still, and you've added some star power at least. And for Bellinger, he gets to, you know, go back to, to LA and and I'm sure he still has a you know pretty decent life for himself out there. Uh, he's only been away for, for really a year. Uh, that would send Matt Chapman to the Cubs, which, you know, again, I just think that the outfield situation for the Cubs would, would push them to, you know, go get a Matt Chapman instead and put him at third and, and feel good about their, their current outfield situation. Uh, and then who else do I have here? We have Blake Snell. Angels. Giant. Also. Giant. Blake Snell is a giant. Um, no, they already just... got Blake Snell and Robbie Ray. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did. They did. They did. Um, mm, that's a tough one. Just say Angels. It, no, it could I, I like. I still. I still like Blake Snell. I still like Blake Snell to to the to the Giants. I you got to like force it. him in there. Um, and then who else do I have? Uh, you have. You did Bellinger. You have not said Chapman. You just don't think he's going to Toronto. No. So I think Chapman's going to Chicago, and then Jaymont. I think so. Here's the thing. I think Jaymont is either a Texas Ranger. You'll get that rotation where it's, what it's going to be. Uh, I know guys are going to come back, but going into the beginning of the season, season can get away from them quickly if yeah. if they don't add another arm there to the fold. So I do think he goes back to Texas, but I wouldn't sleep on Philly either. Um, you know, I know they're they're right at that that threshold, but they did make some offers. They reportedly put out an offer on Yamamoto. They've been in on some other arms. Uh, Jamon's going to be you know more affordable, and they've got some guys coming off the books in the next couple of years. I, I could imagine that you know Jamon is kind of the perfect fit for them in that rotation and add some consistency and they need a lefty in there. Uh, that would be a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if he's added to that fold as well. And then Neris. That's a cup. Yeah. Neris is a cup. Neris, Neris is, a cup. is a cup. All right. They're going to pay him a lot and they don't care. Top five stadiums that you've ever been to. We've done this before. Um, I think the last time we did it was last off season. Um, so we can go through it rag- rather quickly. I have my top five. So at number five, Oracle in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Number four, Kaufman in Kansas City. Don't sleep on the waterfalls. Incredibly clean. Love that stadium. No one seems to care about it. I do. Number four, Kansas City Royals, Kaufman Stadium. Number three, probably the most beautiful landscape I've ever seen, Petco Park in San Diego. Number two, Fenway Park in Boston. Kind of a no-brainer. And number one, in the summertime, there's no better place to watch a game in any sport than Wrigley Field. So that is my top five stadiums I've ever been to. Apologies to PNC Park. Whenever we make these lists, Pirates fans come out of the woodwork. And by all accounts, if you've been there, they're completely right. I just have never been there. So it's my top five stadiums that I have been to. Shout out PNC. That's on my bucket list. I think I'm probably going to go to one this year. Just haven't been yet. Sue me. I'm sorry. Jack, yeah. go ahead. I, I haven't been to PNC either. Um, I really want to go to PNC. Again, I've heard amazing things. Number one for me is Wrigley. Bias aside, I think that place is awesome. And the facelift the it got like a half decade ago, it makes that thing perfect. And they just added a sports book there like that looks amazing. Like it they are doing it right and the ballpark neighborhood is great number two is fenway like just have to put that at number two get it number three is camden yards i love the camden yards experience and like 
the Never crab been. fries, dude, like go get the crab fries and make a video. You're going to, you have yeah. to do that this year. Have right. to. Number four is Coors. I love the Coors field vibe. There's something about it being a party, man. And then a new one at number five. The overall experience for me going down to the DR and going to Estadio Juan Marichal (laughs) Domingo, that was amazing. Like I scalped tickets in very broken Spanish and they've got a Taco Bell in there and your usher yeah. for your section is your bartender. So I got a styrofoam cup with ice and then I got an empty water bottle filled with rum. And I just sat there and I got drunk and I watched That's Miguel and Duhar play so baseball. Fun. It that was so sick. Awesome. So yeah, that, yeah awesome. that, that makes my top five. Yeah. We got to get you. out there. We got to get out there as a show. One of these, maybe next off season, by the way, Lydum championship series is well underway. They're tied up. That's going to be a pretty fun finish. I saw Williams Astudio uh, fighting Drop for his life. Ball. Fighting for his life in right field, took it off the chest. And I'm like, dude, people are saying I can't wait for baseball to come back. It's fucking here. It was a fly ball off the bat of Aristides Aquino that Lillian's Astadio is running for, just like (laughs) hits him right in the chest and rolls into foul territory. I'm like, this is the peak of baseball. So definitely tune into that if you got nothing going on. Um, So for me, I generally, I'm not going to do it here. I generally like to separate the modern and and, and the old um, just because I think it's hard to compare them. Um, because I think the, the classic stadiums are automatically like, you know, engraved as top stadiums when you look at Wrigley and Fenway, but in this instance, put them in there. Um, and for those who may not know, I've mentioned it a few times on the show, but like when my, when I was nine years old, my dad and I had the plan to go to all 30 baseball stadiums and, uh, we got to 19 together. So now I'm, I've been finishing the rest, my, my, with my friends or with you guys or whatever. So I'm at, I think 25, uh, but that doesn't include some of the new stadiums. So I still got like six or seven to go. I haven't been to PNC either. I, I've been recommended that a million times. But of the ones that I've been to, Oracle, uh, absolutely. Like just one of the best experiences you're going to have Banger. at a ballpark. Great fans, just great everything. Petco, I agree. Same thing, Peter. Like just one of my favorite experiences I've had. Um, but then Camden is just like Camden set the standard, I, I think, for all of the new stadiums to 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 really have their own feel to have their own character and and to also just be a really cool environment and now seeing a lot of fans in there i think you can really appreciate it so camden no doubt for me and then the two classic ones of course with, with wrigley and fenway uh, there's nothing quite like going to wrigley you know like you said like uh, on a nice day and just just soak that in and and then of course fenway it's just i sit there and i just feel the history i can just i can see it Every single time I stare at the monster, I I can like relive so many different clips that I've seen a million times. Um, and there's just something special about that place. Shout out Citizens Bank Park. I was there uh, for the playoff game. Quite possibly the greatest atmosphere I've ever been a part of. The only one that compares is the World Baseball Classic down at Lone Depot. And Arm, I told you, and I haven't been to a Lone Depot Marlins game, but we were there for the entirety of the World Baseball Classic, and I was very impressed with Lone oh, Depot. It's I it's a, a nice great ballpark, man. It's it's nice. I just here's the thing: when next time you go, when we go for a Marlins game, it'll you'll feel like you're watching like a high school game that's being played in a big league stadium and and the parents are so excited about their kid look he's playing in you know in, in the Marlins stadium like that's what it feels like you, you can like hear the conversations around you so it's hard to really appreciate it but when when Lone Depot is open and the weather's nice it is it is a beautiful stadium it really is beautiful stadium also T-Mobile Seattle 
thought mm-hmm. was incredible. We were there for the All Star Game festivities. So much fun. The one stadium outside of PNC that I feel like has to be on the bucket list, of course, Camden is on that too because I've never been there. Truist Park in Atlanta. I've seen all the pictures. Amazing. Oh, Truist is awesome. Rowdy. I'm glad you mentioned that. Actually, it's one of my favorite. I've I've been to in the last few years too. Before we go, Jack, have you been to both Yankee Stadium and City Field? Yes. Which one do you like better? City. City. You like City? You like City? City? By, I think by a good amount. Yeah, I'm biased. Give me yeah, that, that burger with the grilled onions seemed good, though. Oh, the Judge Burger. No better burger, burger without the onions was good. Yeah. 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 Onions. Yeah. We're not going to do this here. All right. Next question. Who is the prospect that can help a team challenge for a World Series that won't be on the opening day roster? Example, Evan Carter of the Texas Rangers. That was asked by Ben Wixier on Instagram. Um, just a little backstory on Evan Carter in case you've been living under a rock. Evan Carter was not on the opening day roster, came up, started hitting third, and the Texas Rangers won the World Series, and now he's at the top three rookie of the year odds, and for good reason, the dude rakes. Mm-hmm. Jack, throw it over to you first. A prospect who won't be on the opening day roster who you think can help a team challenge for World Series because the question in itself, he's got to probably be on a good team, right? I'm sure there are good prospects on the Nationals, but I mean, I don't think any of us expect the Nationals in the World Series. So, who's your uh, answer? Kobe Mayo, Kobe Mayo, Kobe Mayo, fucking asshole, Kobe Mayo. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will let you elaborate. No, no, you go. You go. No, I'll, I'll let you elaborate because I've got a pitcher. Because I thought, like, and obviously pitching bias here, but um, when I saw the example as Evan Carter, I was like, oh, man, let, let's stretch this. I thought a good example, too, is Brandon Fott. Like, Arizona's not in the position they were in without Brandon Fott. Andrew Painter's out for the entirety of 2024. So my eyes immediately go to Mick Abel in Philly. There's a non-zero chance that if Abel figures something out, and I love the term non-zero, but there's a non-zero chance that if Abel figures something out command-wise, he can make a start in the postseason. Abel's my guy in that regard, but Aram, I will let you elaborate on Kobe Mayo. Are, are you sure? I could, yes. I could pull, I no, could pull multiple more. I, Floor I could, is yours. Um, another name would be Lawler as well, but he's probably going to make the opening day roster. He'll make the so, roster. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the that's the problem. But. Uh, Kobe Mayo is just a perfect example because you have an Orioles team that, again, like was among led the American League and wins. Uh, but also, you look at the offense. Yeah, they, they're they're pretty loaded around the you know across the infield. But Mayo's a guy that put up big numbers in Double A, put up big numbers in Triple A. He's a, he's a top twelve prospect for us. He might be top ten in our uh, you know twenty twenty four update or our new top one hundred list for twenty twenty four that'll be coming up and you know as, as we get closer to the season. But with Mayo, it's he already walks. He hits the living crap out of the ball. He hits it in the air consistently. And I, we just talked about in the call up. We just broke down the Orioles' top prospects. I said if I could bet on one guy in this system to hit forty home runs, you know, in his career. Yeah, through the through the first five years or so, it would be Kobe Mayo, uh, and I love Basayo. I think he's unbelievable. I actually, have him ranked higher than Mayo, but in terms of just sheer power and the way that he can just inject life into this into this offense if they need it, Kobe Mayo could come up in the second half of the season and give them big time power. I'm talking plus plus power uh, and, and great approach as well. Can play third, can play first. Uh, I think Mayo is is the perfect answer for this because he can be an absolute monster. Um, one other kind of darker horse, but just could get hot because of how good he swings the bat, how well he swings the bat, 
is a Brooks Lee. If the Twins are hanging around, uh, Brooks Lee is just such a well-rounded player that I could just see him getting hot and, and getting on a nice little hitting streak and and kind of get this Twins team that does tend to strike out a lot it balanced out and and help you know push that offense across the edge uh, as the season winds down. So my answer, I want to ask you guys if you think he could make a big league impact this year. Harry Ford of the Mariners, if he is able to come up, I know he's kind of far off. He finished the year in high A, but through every stop, he has just been raking. And I'm looking at walks and strikeouts. Last year, 103 walks, 109 strikeouts, plenty of stolen bases, stole 24. If the Mariners are able to make the playoffs and he's raking again, let's say in double A, maybe he gets the jump to triple A by the middle of the season. He might be more of a September call-up, but I feel like he could inject some life into this Mariners offense that I do think is going to struggle. So if the Mariners can make the playoffs based on their pitching, could he be a guy the Mariners call up, could play some outfield, maybe could you know sub in at catcher when Cal Raleigh needs to move to the DH and just be a dynamic player. The reason I'm hesitant to say him is is he going to make the majors this year because he is only 20 years old was drafted in the first round back in 2021 he might just still be a little bit far off I just I'm obsessed with this guy's potential power speed good play discipline 400 OBP last year I just don't know if he's going to make the majors this year yeah I, I, I so I think it could happen if they start to play him somewhere other than catcher this year and he's only caught because I think they want to develop him as a catcher but now you're going to Cal rally and I don't know if they're going to extend rally or not so that might be why they want to continue to develop Ford as a catcher so I, it depends on how they use him early this year if he starts to get some reps in center field which he's a plus runner like he could he could go be a good yeah. center fielder then maybe then then maybe we could say okay yeah maybe they force him up there but I, I feel like it's it's been interesting with him I, I almost I almost feel like that they've realized that they may not retain rally. And I think they're trying to like carefully groom Ford as their catcher, which is, which is interesting because I do think he could help them by the end of the year, but I think they're, they're taking a unique approach with him. So the, the one wrinkle in that is I do think the signing a Garver created like a jigsaw puzzle there where it's like, you need to move some pieces in order to get Ford in there. Cause like, Hey, Raleigh can't move to the DH because Garver's now clogging the DH spot and assuming health Ford's not going to catch this year. Problem also is if he gets reps in center, they've got a really good one too. Like maybe the best one in baseball. So do you move J rod off his spot? Do you move forward to a corner? And Jonathan class a also feels a bit more plug and play in center than Harry Ford probably does at this point. Correct me if I'm wrong, Arn. Like, I feel like Class A is just, you know, you're getting top flight speed and decent defense, you know, better that than a guy who was catching before this year and now, like, just sort of getting his feet wet in the outfield. No, it's it's fair enough. Um, And I got one other name I just thought of, Sajazi. Thomas Sajazi. Couldn't you see him go just nuts for the Cardinals? Cycle. Absolutely crazy. I don't know where he fits in. Again, someone could get hurt. I don't know. They'll find a spot. He can play all over the infield. Thomas and Jay-Z with the Cardinals, absolute steal to get him in that trade. Um, you know, from from the Rangers and 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 you know, in that Jaymont deal. I think Jay-Z could be a, a guy that ends up really contributing next year and goes crazy. Let's get after it. Next question. Uh, what signing will have the biggest impact on their team besides the big guys? Otani, Soto, Hader, Glass now, 
those big free agents, who's kind of the under the radar free agent that you think is going to make a huge impact. That was asked by Jackson underscore Job three, not the Jackson Job. No. Hey, shout out <laughs> Jackson Job, listener of the Just Baseball Show, Jackson Job. I have mine kind of came just completely obvious to me as who I think could make a huge impact that when the trade went down, I didn't feel like enough people were caring about this one. Jared Kelnick is going to the Braves. <laughs> Guys, he's 24 years old, and in spurts, he looks like a superstar. What are the Braves best at getting the most out of these young outfielders? He's a guy that kind of nobody has talked about that could go crazy for them. He's 24. Like, we got to get tired of these guys. You know, we kicked, what did he kick a trash can and broke his toe? And he was out for the Mariners. And when everybody saw that press conference, how sad it was, he let his emotions get the best out of him. He had some comments about the Mariners of how they've handled him. But now he's on the Braves. You got no excuses. And you're still Jared Kelnick. Incredible talent. That could be the under the radar trade of the offseason. I think he's going to go crazy. Jack, what do you think? He could be three times the player that Eddie Rosario was. <laughs> like, that, I mean, he could be so good. The dream is there. For me, I was looking at an incredibly young but exciting lineup. And then Nick Crawl absolutely aced the veteran signing in Jamer Candelario. That team needed an older bat so badly. And Jamer was an awesome get. And I think that guy is a steadying presence in a super exciting but super volatile young lineup is everything for a team that is trying to win their division this year. I like it. And then for me, I'll go with the recent signing. Um, I I, th- I, f- I felt like whoever signed Reese Hoskins was was going to get a, a great value deal. I know he tore his ACL. He sucked at defense already anyways. You know, it's just, he's either going to still be bad at defense or just DH plenty. I don't care. It's all about the bat there. And that guy's been one of the most consistent bats in the sport o- over the last it's like several handful of years. It's like a 120 something WRC plus every single year. He walks, he hits them all in the air consistently. He, he it's power that you can pretty much count on 27 to the 30 home runs every single year. I think it's exactly what the Brewers needed. I think it really pushes the Brewers lineup, you know, into another level here because they've got the speedy, young, fun guys that I do think could, you know, put it all together. But I thought they needed one more guy to to join Contreras and Yelich and and some of these other pieces as, you know, you know what you're getting. And it's nice to have another guy that you know what you're getting because part of what makes the Brewers appealing to me is I have no idea what they're going to get from, from Weimer, from Freelich, from Churio, and in a good way. Like they could get something really impactful, even Garrett Mitchell. Uh, but now you know what you're getting with Hoskins. It balances out the lineup a little bit, and I think he's going to swing it really well out there, of course. Um, and, and lastly, just glad to see the Brewers not – tearing it down for the sake of tearing it down and, and actually add it's good for baseball when teams don't inexplicably subtract for the sake of subtracting. So uh, good on the brewers for doing the bare minimum, but I am happy that they did. Another one that I really liked um, qualifies as decently big impact. That's why I didn't include it, but Eduardo Rodriguez, the Dimebacks kind of fell under the table a little bit, yeah. right? When we're talking about Blake Snell getting 200 million and all these guys being in the nine-figure type deals to get him under that I thought was a great signing there for Arizona next question though who has been the worst contract handed out so far in free agency by its value that was asked by Naoki baseball nerd on the man by the way met him out out in the Arizona fall league 
Great, great kid. Um, yeah, good luck with your season, buddy. I, I was just, just an awesome dude, just an encyclopedia already. Uh, awesome, awesome dude. His dad took him to the AFL, so it, it's always awesome when uh, you see that kind of connection. And and just, I'm so glad he came over and said hello. Just just such yep. an awesome kid. So, um, thanks for the question. It's always great when he gets featured. And Aram, go ahead. Worst contract value. Ah, oh, I had it written down. I don't know where I put it. Can we circle back to me? Yeah, I have mine. Go. Craig Kimbrell was given 13 and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, like, Orioles. Endorsed. What are we doing, Endorsed. Dude? You finally gave out a contract, and you're going to get the guy. Ask a Phillies fan if they wanted Craig Kimbrell back. I guarantee you none of them wanted him. Not back. one. Not, Not one. one. Now, Craig Kimbrell, you know, you know, maybe, you know, his numbers didn't look that bad. But I'm telling you, Orioles fans, tie game. Eighth or ninth inning, whoever has it between Cano and Kimbrell, just watch and just know that you gave him $13.5 million. Now you can say, well, the market, Peter, that's the market now. Would you rather have Kimbrell than Chapman? I don't know. Maybe. I'd rather have Kyle Gibson. I'd rather have Kyle Gibson. I'd rather have Frankie Montes for $3 million more. That. Good luck, Orioles fans. Good luck. Jack? Uh yeah. Or arm, you want to go ahead? Whoever I just remembered. I remember. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't I don't know why I didn't write it down. I, in terms of AAV, I, I don't hate it, but I've never understood the Jordan Hicks thing. Like four years, 44 million for Jordan Hicks. Like I understand that he he is a pretty I mean a pretty solid arm in terms of the production that you've gotten. I understand that he's extremely talented. I just don't know if I want to attach myself to Jordan Hicks for four years just because of the volatility. I know he's coming off of the best year of his career. And also the idea that they're going to use him as a starter is, is just another aspect of it that I don't totally get. Uh, but attaching myself to four years, 44 million. And again, I know that's a low AAV in this market, but I, it, there's been stretches where he's often hurt. There's been stretches where you just you know, can't keep the ball in the zone enough. Um, I, I just don't totally get the appeal. And there's another guy. Yeah. The numbers are good. A three, two ERA is fine. If he's a starter, but he wasn't a starter last year. Really, he, he was a reliever that they kind of counted on in some high leverage spots. And you, know, you don't want your closer with an ERA over three. Generally, that means he blew some games and, and, and Hicks did through stretches. I, I just like, I, I don't think it's the worst monetary value i just it's kind of like the cronenworth thing not as egregious obviously i just i don't like the idea of attaching myself i'd rather pay more money on shorter terms that i don't especially if you're the giants that have a lot of you know flexibility here i, I just don't like attaching myself to, to a player like that for four years jack i'm leading into this one uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna get really close to the mic can can you hear me like kind of muffled and all that the LA Angels are paying Zach Plesac one million U.S. dollars to pitch in Major League Baseball. How did they get away with that? Shout out Zach Plesac. Zach Plesac. Yeah. Zach Plesac threw 147 fastballs in Major League Baseball last year. Opponents hit 500 against his <laughs> fastball, and they're paying him a million U.S. dollars to pitch. All right, bit over. I just needed to do that. He threw opponents hit 500. They were 17 for 38. They literally fetty whopped his fastball. You know, I mean, would you rather pay 13x that for Crick Kimbrell? I, I can't. I wouldn't pay Zach Plesak $20,000 to pitch for my baseball team. 
I hope he goes crazy. And I hope we get him on the show and it's like a whole round around. It's, it's like all hey, over Jack, again. He's Jack a ball state alum him. too. Like that's the thing. Like I wouldn't be saying this if I didn't have to, but I feel the moral obligation to tell you that the angels are compensating this guy a million dollars this year. We do have to yeah. just talk about $1 million to pitch for us. It's amazing. Arm, anything else? Uh, no, I, I like it. I like that pick. All right. Uh, last question of the mailbag is a good one. For $10,000, Prime Aroldis Chapman throws you 100 fastballs, and you have to hit one out of the infield. No defense. If you lose, you have to take 105 miles an hour straight to the ribs. Are you making that bet? Asked by A-B-E-R-C-E underscore thumb. First of all, here's how I looked at the question. Would you take $10,000, the possibility to get hit with 105 in the ribs? Yes, I would. $10,000, I'm taking this bet. Now, you guys can say, Peter, you're overdoing yourself as an athlete. Whatever. Here's what I believe. If you give me a hundred ABs to time up one pitch, he's not throwing me sliders. No, it's a hundred fastballs. A hundred fastballs. And I know it's prime rolled this Chapman. I know it's 105 miles an hour. But if you gave me a hundred times to start adjusting to the speed and he's throwing you a hundred fastballs in a row, a rolled this Chapman is a reliever. Is that going to start going down to 96? 95 I, or some of those the at the tail the argument, end. It's the same fastball. And there's no defense. All right. Same fastball, whatever. I think I would get one out of the infield. I'm taking that bet. I'm 60, 40 that I could complete it, but a hundred percent. I'm taking the bet because I'll risk $10,000 to get one Oh five in the ribs. Yeah. It's going to hurt a ton. I'll probably have to go to the emergency room. They'll probably have to pump me with some sort of liquid, but I can also say, Hey, I wore 105 to the ribs. What have you done? There's a lot of ways I'm taking this bet. A lot of ways. I will say unequivocally, I am not taking this bet. <laughs> um, I got in the cage the other day with 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 Griff, and um, you know, he had the machine dialed up to like uh, fastball ride, and I think it was like just low 90s with ride, and just dude, low like, 90s. <laughs> it was a joke. Like I could not even get close and I felt like I had you know I felt like I never played baseball in my life um and then finally like I cheated so so hard and and timed it up and, and hit one but how many I'm imagining did it take? how many pitches did it take well I started lefty whiffed like 12 times then I flipped around to the right side and and um and and I think it was probably eight more and then I got it but a hundred you're getting a hundred opportunities. Yeah. Do we know so timing it up? 10 miles an hour harder, crazy extension coming from a human arm um, and different locations. Yeah. Do we know if they're all in the strike zone? Like that's the thing. Take one. What if, on what if they're sprayed? No, like if it's a, <laughs> spray, that's the problem too. Though. You're not going to be able to spin on it. You're timing it up. You're going to be cheating. You're going to be starting your swing before he even releases the baseball. So if you're doing that, like you're swinging at balls too. I just think it would be funny you whiff on 38 straight and then he throws one ball and you don't swing and you spit on it like you spit on the plate. Be like, bring it here. Got to get him fired up. That might not be a good plan, but I do it. My yeah, cocky ass would do it and up. get screwed, but I'm going to try. 
hundred percent. I I think I think it would become one of those things where it's just demoralizing, and you're like, I my bat was there. How did I not hit it? My bat was there. How did I not hit it? My bat was there. How did I not hit it? And especially with it changing locations and stuff, I don't think the cheating, you know, and timing it up is going to work. Um, I'm I'm not doing it. There's there's no way I'm doing it because that 105 to the ribs could change my life. Um, <laughs> like I, I just, I can't, I won't be able to even like, it's just gonna, it's gonna haunt me. Um, I respect the confidence and I would, I will, I will try to make this happen. Like oh, I will find $10,000. I will, time, fi- I will find a role as chat. I'm there. I'm there. hundred percent. It's not one of these things where, Oh, the time's come, Peter, you want to do it? No, no, no. Anyone, anywhere, a hundred fastballs for ten thousand dollars. I don't care oh, who it is. I can't wait to have my 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 cousin, who's an attorney, draft up the uh, the uh, injury. You know, the the because Chapman's not going to want you to be able to sue. The no, draft up to be like, if yeah. my fastball dismantles your ribs and punctures your lungs, you cannot sue me. I would never do that. It's called ball. One v one. Yeah. No. Sometimes balls will hit me. You no, know, but if it hit me on like the forty third. That might end the that might end the competition. Yeah, but no way I'm getting me. back in the box. I get my ten thousand back, and I get my ten thousand back, and you got drilled. That's no ten thousand dollars is going towards the hospital bill. So here's my You're thing: spending ten thousand dollars regardless. I started doing the I started doing the math. Like, hey, what's my out of pocket maximum if I went with like the premium insurance? Like, you would need to, I think, maybe adjust your health insurance to the point where you're paying like. 2500 out of pocket maximum. So that way you're netting $7500 when you go to the hospital. You yeah. could do that. So go right ahead. My problem is and the only reason I'm saying no because I have supreme confidence in my abilities. Lefty lefty just seems a little too tough, so I'm out. That's true. <laughs> lefty would be challenging. Or you'd have to go righty. I mean, I'd no- have to go righty. And and I like when I played in Growing up, like I could handle velocity way better from the left side, so I'm cooked. Um, it's it's a wrap. You know what? I if you gave me fifty, I would still try. I'm not saying I would do it. That's not the point of this. No, I know it's that you would try. I try one hundred percent. I would try. I I respect it. I it would just be so it. much fucking fun anyway. Yeah. Like I don't know if I'm gonna get a hit. I still in the back of my mind, of course I'm gonna get a hit. But you know, we'll see. That was the Just Baseball Show mailbag. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was a banger. We went here for close to two hours now. We hope everybody enjoyed. And if you did enjoy, make sure to hit that merch store. Come on. I'm rocking the hat. Arms rocking Apollo. Jack's rocking nothing because he hates the company. Yep. Go get yours in the episode description. And then, of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that big red subscribe button. Come on. It's free. It's free. And you get to see all of our rambunctiousness behind the camera. And then if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, feel free to rate and review five stars. It's really awesome. Helps our show a ton. Um, And that'll be it. We'll be back on Monday. Jack, Aram, I'm Peter. And with that, thank you, everybody. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.